Welcome to the Management Insights Podcast Series hosted by McGraw-Hill. My name is Debbie Clare, Executive Marketing Manager for our management portfolio. Today's topic, Building Students' Career Readiness. Our guest, Angelo Kanicki. Thank you for joining us. Glad to be here, Deb. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm a Cleveland guy. Uh, born and raised there, uh, did all my three degrees at Kent State University. It's a long story, but I did meet my wife there, another great thing about uh, Kent State. After leaving Kent State, I went to Arizona State University and uh, surprisingly spent my entire career there, 33 years on the faculty at the W.P. Carey School of Business, teaching management, organizational behavior, human resources, and grad courses. Uh, while I was there, no plan on mine, but I became friends with one of the faculty members who was a textbook author, and he brought me into the textbook business at 19, in 1984. So now I've been involved with that and have two products with McGraw-Hill today that I still enjoy uh, working on. And the other thing that happened was my wife and I decided to start a company, a consulting company. And the reason we decided to start that is was really more her insistence because I was trained not to do consulting, was trained to do research. Um, <laughs> but anyway, she said to me, Angela, you have all this knowledge and you write all these research papers, but it never gets to managers. I think you need to take some of your knowledge and make it practical. So because of my background, I'm kind of a blue collar academic. What that means is my family was middle class. My dad worked at Ford for 40 years. I have those kind of roots of Let's be real. Let's be practical. So in that spirit, I said to my wife, yeah, you know, you're right. I do know a lot of stuff. Why don't we try to turn it into some consulting advice? So we've been doing that, and, and we've been blessed to uh, travel the world and help managers on their leadership skills. So that's a little bit about me today, and I'm very excited to, to be here today to talk about career readiness. So let's dig in, Angelo. I know personally you're very passionate about helping students develop skills for lifelong success to flourish both professionally and personally. What does the latest research suggest about career readiness? So um, that's a great question. So let me start with defining what it means. Career readiness means are students prepared with the skills and knowledge that employers want so that when they get to work, they not only have the skills, but they can execute the skills. And those are two different things. It's one thing to say, I have influence skills, or I know the influence techniques. It's a whole nother one to say, I can use them at work to influence my boss or, or my colleagues or even my spouse. So employers are saying college graduates are not career ready. They don't have the skills. All right. Well, what do we do with that? What does that mean? You know, we're, we're professors. We're not in a trade school. But... Employers want these, these career readiness skills. So let me explain what they are. And I think the real point or takeaway from this podcast is for us to be aware of what they are and then to think about how can I design my teaching so that I infuse the teaching with career readiness skills. So there's been a lot of research done globally about what are the competencies. We identified 27 of them. And in the 27, the latest research is showing there's a set of them that are core. What that means is they're relevant for any job. It's like horizontal skills that you can use in any part of your life. They're core. They're the ones that are sort of really important. But then there's some other competencies. Now, to make sense of it, 
I came up with a taxonomy that actually borrows from a taxonomy used in the field of human resources. And the taxonomy is called KSAOs. K stands for knowledge, S stands for soft skills, A stands for attitudes, and O stands for other characteristics. So in HR, they developed this acronym of KSAOs saying that when we hire people, they should have these certain knowledge, soft skills, attitudes, others. What I did was I took these 27 competencies and I populated them into that framework because it's an easier way for you to remember them. Now, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But while doing that, I kept seeing there was a set of competencies that researcher after researcher identified, and it actually started with a group called NACE, that I said, okay, these are the core ones. So let me first mention, Deb, what are the core competencies that are important in just about any job? The first one is critical thinking, problem solving. Really, really important. Employers want that. The second one is oral written communication skills. The third one is is the ability to collaborate and teamwork. The fourth one is information technology application. What is that? That's the ability to know how to use spreadsheets, to use current digital tools in my job. The next one is leadership. And by the way, leadership is all about influence. So think about that one. How do I teach people about influence? You probably don't do it by lecturing. Well, you might try it that way, but leadership is a very high-level skill that you're going to learn by practice and application, as is critical thinking problem solving. The next one is professionalism and worth ethic. That's an interesting one to me. So what the research is saying is employers say, I want these students to come and have them have a work ethic. Well, you might go, hey, I'm just teaching. I don't give them a work ethic. No, I'm sorry, folks. I think we do. I think we do by the standards we use. So let me talk about me for a moment. So at ASU, I was known to be firm but fair. I had one of the lowest grade distributions. I didn't try to have one of the lowest grade distributions. I just had high standards. Now, did people like me, dislike me? Was I looked as mean and bad? Well, I say this very proudly. I have six student-nominated teaching awards. You can be firm, but you got to be fair. You can have high standards, but you need to explain to students why you have high standards. It worked for me, and, and I loved it, and the students liked me. So employers want graduates who are professional and who have work ethic. I remember when I had a standard that says, if you're doing a presentation, you can't wear a hat. Well, some of the guys thought they'd be cool and wear a hat. Well, I'd deduct five points. Professionalism and work ethic is another core competency. And the seventh one is cross-cultural. So employers, given the globalness of our world, they want students who can work with people from different ethnic racial groups. So those are the core. Now, in the other categories of knowledge, soft skills, attitudes, others, I I won't go through all of them, but let me use a couple of examples. So knowledge, this one I'm sure we all understand, This means employers want students who have the skills associated with their major. So if I'm majoring in accounting, they want students who know about balance sheets and P&L statements, right? Functional knowledge. If I'm hiring someone in HR, they want you to know HR. Okay, so that's one. Another 
key knowledge area is what's called computer literacy. They really, employers really do expect students to come to be able to understand how to use spreadsheets and, and PowerPoint and other such things. I mean, that they need, they want that. They don't want to spend time teaching them that. We need to teach them that. Soft skills. There's quite a bit um, of soft skills. Two that I know are big. I'm sure you've heard of the first one, emotional intelligence. That's the ability to recognize other people's emotions and your own emotions and to use those to improve interpersonal relationships. A very important soft skill. Decision-making is another soft skill. Uh, in the bucket of attitudes, there's a number there as well. One of them that strikes me, this is pretty important, is employers want uh, people who will accept responsibility, who will take ownership for their work. Now you may go, well, Angelo, what do I have to do with that? They get that from their parents or their church or somewhere else. No, we can, yes, they do get that, that from those places, but they also get it from us. <clears throat> so when we give assignments, do we hold them accountable? Do we bend the rules? You know, folks, there's no curves in industry. So, and I know a lot of us curve. I'm not a big fan of curves, but it's setting standards, having responsibility, having ownership. Yeah, I know, kind of tough love, but it can be done if, if we would do that collectively. I think our students would graduate with a better understanding of what that is. Uh, another thing, this is a good one, on the attitude side that employers are looking for is they would like students who have a learning orientation. Now, for those of you who are not in OB, a learning orientation is an orientation that in life, my goal is to learn. Failure is not a bad thing. Failure is a learning experience. If we can get students to go through life, and I've had to work at this one, like I, when I was, I've been rejected many times on my research publications. It doesn't mean I'm a bad guy, a dumb guy, or Kent State did wrong by teaching me. It means... I didn't package the research right, or I made a methodological error. If you can accept that and learn that failures are opportunities to grow, you'll become better at what you do. So, and I think I've tried to really do that, but employers want that. How do you build that into your class? Well, one way is, uh, the, with the two products I have with McGraw-Hill, we have a lot of self-assessments that are auto-graded that students can take, and one of them is on that. You could give these kind of instruments to students. They learn about their personal KSAOs, and you could even turn it into a development plan. It's a really cool thing that Gen Z students would like because you would be using technology to take the assessments and then making it practical. And the last category, others, are things like adaptability. And I'm sure you can appreciate this. Employers want young people who are adaptable, not fixed and closed-minded and pig-headed. They want open-minded, adaptable people because as the organization changes, they want them to change. Open to change is another characteristic. All right, so here's the thing. There's 27 of these competencies. And if you're going, hey, this sounds interesting. What do they look like? Well, they happen to be listed in my Principles of Management product with McGraw-Hill. It's a product written with uh, Brian Williams. And what we've done in the ninth edition, because I really do believe in career readiness, we infused these competencies throughout the entire 16 chapters of, of the product. So, so, Deb, the real takeaway, though, is building these things into the classroom. How do I do it? And that would take some time. So, one, you got to know what they are. And secondly, by either having assets that publishers provide or your own tools, you got to figure out ways to build these, these higher levels of learning into your classroom. So uh, that's why career readiness is important. 
And I do really believe, maybe because I'm a blue-collar academic, that I have a responsibility to help my students gain these skills. And Deb, I really believe if I do do that and help them in a small way, they're going to get a better job. And if they get a better job, they're going to be happier. And in that way, back to how you started, I think that all of us as professors can help young people to flourish and have better lives. And I really do believe we, we, we don't have a big input on that, but we can have a smaller input on building career readiness into our teaching. Angelo, you talked about core skills versus the KSAOs. If you had to choose between building students' core skills versus other KSAOs, where would you focus your time in class? So, so Deb, I would, um, I would say the first thing I would want to know is in the local area in which I'm teaching, what kind of skills are the employers coming to campus desiring? And I think you could find that out through your career centers, some mechanism at your school. Ask, what is it that they want? Because my guess would be, Deb, they want some of the core but they want some of the other ones. I think it's context dependent. The area you're in, the majors that we're talking about, like for example, if I'm talking about an accounting major, I bet information technology application and decision-making might be higher priorities, therefore focus on them. But if I'm teaching people who are majoring in human resources, which for those of you who know that career, you have to influence people without having power and authority. So I would think uh, leadership would be important, um, influence skills. So if I'm answering it, it's I don't have one list, but I think if you could take the time to contextualize and ask your career center, you could get some advice as to what would be best. Now, let's say you go, well, we don't have a career center and I don't know. Then, Deb, I would go to the core, which are the seven. Critical thinking, communication, teamwork collaboration, IT application, leadership, professionalism, work ethic, and cross-cultural. That's what I would do. And also potentially employers that are recruiting from their schools? Oh, yeah, that would be the best source. Absolutely best source. Ask them. And by the way, I think if you do ask them, they'll go, wow, the academics really do care what I want. So why not just ask them? You know, by you could call the career center and say, who are the biggest employers coming on campus for our students, whatever area they are? And then even Jing, call them yourself or email or whatever. But I would bet your university would love that touch point. So you might not have to do it. You could just inquire who has that information. And do you have any advice for how your peers can build career readiness competencies into the content of their courses? So, you know, that's tricky. Again, first, you got to know what they are. So here they are. And McGraw-Hill has a listing of what they are. So, so if you're going, well, what are they? You could, e you could either Google the topic yourself or look to McGraw-Hill to provide you that list. They have that. Once you know the list, then it's a matter of, let's just take one example. Let's take critical thinking. So how do I infuse critical thinking? Well, it isn't by lecturing. So I got to use active learning techniques. Now I get into that. And I would say this, Deb, on a lot of these competencies, as I look at them, you, you got to have basic knowledge, okay? So you, you either you got to lecture about these competencies or you need something like a smart book where students can learn 
the basic levels of content, and then you have to use active learning to get to these higher levels. So critical thinking. And SmartBook happens to be... And SmartBook is the best thing that I know of. Yeah. I Actually, if you want to get uh, to career readiness, because a lot of these competencies require higher levels of learning, for those of you who are familiar with that, to get to higher levels of learning of analysis and application, it all begins with remembering and understanding. So you got to have the student have a baseline, remember, understand. I don't know how you do that other than lecture or technology, smart book in this case, which is an adaptive learning reading experience. Me personally, because I know Gen Zs don't like lectures, I'm not using that. And all the latest research also says, you know, stay away from that with Gen Zs and, and use more digital things like SmartBook. My recommendation is I'd lecture no more than 25% of the time, and then I would use active learning techniques. So back to critical thinking. I like to use cases. There's other ways to do it, but I use cases where we have conversations and discussions, and then I actually assess their contributions. So, Deb, the answer is to really think, okay, so, uh, you know, I hope the listeners go, all right, I, I agree, career readiness is important. How do I infuse it into my classroom? Well, you got to say to yourself this. First off, how do I ensure the students have the basic understanding and remembering? Well, SmartBook's best way I know. If you don't have SmartBook, then what are you going to do? Lecture? Well, you're going to bore those Gen Zs. So you got to figure that part out. That's step one. Then step two is, okay, what teaching resources do I have that accompany the product that I'm using? Because, you know, publishers vary on the resources they have. So what resources, what recommendations are the authors giving me to help me? Because there's a difference there. Different products have, have different amounts of help for you. In the particular ones that I have, we have something called the Teaching Resource Manual, which we prepared for the sole purpose to be your playbook, to help you because most professors are time-stressed. You don't have all the time to figure out how to do this. So I don't want to just sell me, but you have to look for the resources to help you get higher levels of learning that require uh, active learning. So then I'll close with this. If you're intrigued by this information, you might look at some other podcasts that McGraw-Hill has uh, on the topic of active learning or Gen Zs to give you some ideas. Or even I recently picked up a couple books myself on active learning because I wanted to, to learn about it. So if you buy all this, take a little time, learn about active learning, and I would ask you to just try this. Try to infuse a quarter of your class time for active learning. Promise you if you do it, you're going to feel good, your students are going to feel good, and you're going to help them make career, uh, make them career ready, which in turn is your way of contributing to their flourishing. So that's it. All right. Thank you for sharing your perspective, experience, and advice. To our listeners, check back for future topics and spread the word to our colleagues about our podcast series. Why? Because learning changes everything. <laughs>